Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about Haley Bonner and her new album Last War, which won me over right off the bat because she lives in Minnesota, but she opens the album with a line about San Francisco. the fun Haley Bonner establishes that keyboards are going to be really a prominent part of the sound for this album and she has a really sweet voice alongside those keyboards and I think if you listen to some of her older stuff which I did it's really more traditional sort of stereotypical singer-songwriter girl with a guitar and to me at least is not really that interesting but on this album she right off the bat establishes that there's gonna be a much broader sonic palette Yeah, that's kind of why we wanted to talk about this album, because it's kind of a breakthrough moment for her career. She's only in her early 30s, but this is actually her sixth full-length album, and she also had a bunch of self-produced EPs, and she's been making music for over a decade, and it's kind of a... I apparently was saying it was an apocryphal story until I realized I was using the word incorrectly, but the, the it's a legendary story that she was discovered by uh, Alan Sparhawk of Lowe when she was 19, and she was performing in some Minnesota cafe at an open mic night, and she was just like doing her acoustic guitar or singing thing, and he was really struck by her. And so she kind of got discovered early and then stuck with this singer-songwriter alt-country slash folk sound for a long time, and now she's really taking it in a different direction. Yeah, I love that she's establishing this really high energy and at the same time that high energy and sort of upbeat uh, music is matched with really very melancholy lyrics and where she's clearly kind of searching for a meaningful connection in a world that's pretty dark. And that is something that continues into the second song, No Sensitive Man. Don't you love me? Yeah. 
song is maybe my favorite track on the album because it's so full of mixed feelings. And it's like she's getting what she wants, but she's still angry about it. And she doesn't want to talk and she doesn't want no sensitive man. But it's unclear exactly what she wants. And I think maybe she's unclear, too. And for me, having lived with hippies for maybe a few too many years uh, over in Berkeley, I really appreciated that one of the ways she expressed that desire and confusion was that she wanted to take her hippie boyfriend and cut off his hair to see what he's made of, which just was such a kind of playful and clever way of expressing this notion of where she she wants to grow up, but is not really sure how she's going to do that. And then meanwhile, the sound on this song really strikes a great balance between, I think there's this kind of echoey guitar and this really urgent vocal, even if it's urgent vocal of confusion. And then at the same time, the the keyboards kick in with this really new wave kind of sound that adds this great texture earlier in the song. And then a little later towards the end, it actually takes over as a solo instrument. You get this kind of crazy keyboard sound. And it's just such an assured blending of two sounds that I wouldn't really have thought to combine in one song. Yeah, and getting ready for this podcast, we listened to her one of her side projects, which is called Grandma's Boyfriend. And it's very different from this. And it's kind of a mid-80s new wave sound. And it has that keyboard sound on it. And so, you know, she definitely has that in her. And she also has a little bit darker side, which we get into in this next song, which is called Last War. Have a personal bias towards music that is maybe a little more loud and aggressive and so for me this is when the album really kicks into gear and it is just crazy to listen to earlier stuff you would not think that she could rock like this but certainly on this track it's just way faster way more aggressive and it also pushes i think into a more kind of processed and produced sound there's heavy guitar effects there's just all sorts of synth textures going on and they get louder over the course of the song and even the vocals are kind of echoey. Uh, there's this stereo separation that I think isn't on most of the album. And I feel like I don't even hear it in pop music that much anymore. And the overall effect just is great. Although it does have the side effect that I think the lyrics get a little more washed out and murky in this track. Yeah, we listened to this track a bunch of times to try and understand the lyrics and you just can't get most of it. And I think that's clearly intentional because some of the other songs have vocals that are really clear. And it's kind of like she goes back and forth on some songs she's trying to communicate a feeling through the instrumentation and putting the lyrics in the background and um, here there's a lot of dissonance and I like 
that what sounds what sounds like almost an air raid siren in the background or I'm not clear what that effect is but um, on some of the other songs the vocals are right up front and that's what she's using as the main avenue of communication and I like that she does both yeah and then sometimes it's even in the same song I think in this case the instruments take over but I think in several of the songs she's up front and it's super produced with really loud rich instrumentation and I think that's the case on this next song, Heaven's Made for Two. This is the song where it's my time to, as I periodically do, acknowledge my tremendous fondness for the 90s band Lush, which uh, had this really dreamy kind of guitar sound, like a heavily processed. And this song so reminded me of that in a good way that I just, I felt kind of taken back to that time. And there's just, it's really dreamy. And I think kind of appropriate here for this kind of song about a misspent youth. On that last track, Last War, it was really dark and tempestuous and this sort of sense that she was, you know, singing about bad times and a bad relationship. But here it's just this kind of warm, fuzzy feeling of an endless summer where she's spending time with someone. She just wants to sit. And there's this uh, lyric of drinking Coca-Cola and gladly wasting time Mm -hmm. that just is so evocative of that kind of time where you just, these days that seem to last forever. And especially if you're up in the upper Midwest, those summer days last long time it sounds particularly appealing since we've had rain endless (laughs) days of rain lately yes uh it's uh, i want to go to there Mm -hmm. and then having done that though over the course of the song and i think we start to hear the beginning of that that there's this kind of very synthetic dissonance that starts to creep in and even as she's repeating that title of the song as kind of this the chorus is just heaven's made for two over and over again but this dissonance creeps in and then sort of the guitars get really noisy and and then just faster the entire thing speeds up and it's just such a great sort of portrayal of this sense that you know the endless summer it's gonna end it's and just this feeling of kind of your childhoods or your misspent youth slipping away i think that's exactly how she intends to hear it now that intends for us to hear it now that we're at the end of the fourth track of this album and it's only nine tracks long and I, the way that I understand this record is that it's basically a breakup record about her breaking up with her younger self. 
And I think it's important to know that she had a kid a couple of years ago and she's a single mom now. And she has said in interviews that she wrote a lot of the album after her kid was born. And it's not entirely about that, obviously. But, it, you know, it's a time that a lot of people, especially artists and especially women, have to face the fact that having this responsibility, like they want to have kids in the big scheme of things. But having a, an infant especially means that you have to let go of a lot of the things that were really meaningful and that sustained you before you arrived at this time in your life. And, you know, now you have to kind of pour all of your energy into this black hole of need that infants are and so I think that's what she's wrestling with in this next song that's called From a Cage Sitting in the snow While we trace our tracks But we can't go back again I'm not your mother And you're not a child have noticed that we actually played the end of that song and on a couple of the other tracks from this album we're actually playing the beginning of the song and one of the I think the hallmarks of this album is that the songs just get started really fast and they don't outstay their welcome and that you'll see that because it's a nine track album that clocks in at just over half an hour and it's amazing that they you know these songs pack such rich instrumentation and such a wealth of clever lyrics but they're able to do that in a very compact package I also wanted to play the end of that song because it has that great line that they're closing down the party and they're bringing heavy chains, but we'll learn to love our freedom from a cage. And it's so powerful and it feels like it marks the shift in the album from the first half to the second half. And it's like she's reconciling the fact that she's kind of backed herself into this cage, but that might ultimately be a more satisfying way for her to live because it's just like having total freedom is too much and too exhausting. Yeah, that as I think from these previous songs, you can really sense that even though there's this mixture of emotions about her past, that there is also, a, I think, a pretty clear affection for it. And this is a song where I think she gets to say goodbye to that past. And even as she's saying, obviously, hello to this new small person who's in her life. But it's interesting you made that comment about the total freedom because there's some lyrics in this, certainly, where she talks about, oh, I never lived without it. I sold out or I guess she's saying you're sold out your whole family for a taste. And it's clearly sort of the language of addiction. And I don't know whether this is literal or figurative, but you, you do get that sense that maybe she's realizing that that total freedom was really you know too much and that she's kind of happy to have this reason to pull away. 
And even if it's figurative, I mean, I think everyone can identify with the fact of or with the experience of being young and just having being overwhelmed by the choices. And it's like you can do anything with your life and like you have to pick the right thing. And it's kind of a relief to be in a little more kind of bordered a little bit more in what your options are because there's not the stress of choosing the wrong thing, I guess. Yeah, not suffering from the paradox of choice. Yeah, exactly. So this song also reminds me a lot of the title track on the Nico Case album, Middle Cyclone, which makes me cry every time I listen to it. And the album has all this energy and ferocity. And then there's this really quiet acoustic piece right in the middle that's like the eye of the hurricane. And it gives this really clear picture of what she's trying to communicate throughout all the songs. And it just creates a really beautiful centerpiece. And that's what I was reminded of here. And I think it's a particularly apt comparison because I think that Haley Bonner might be at that same point in her career that Nico was at then. I think that album came out in 2008. And, you know, it was where she had had this really strong body of work and a lot of fans, but she had mostly been doing kind of alt country slash folk. And then, you know, she had this breakout album where she takes a she took a turn into a fuller and, in my opinion, more interesting sound. And so I feel like that might be what Haley Bonner is doing here. And I, I'm really excited to see what comes next from her. So probably the greatest departure from that folksy sound, in my opinion, was this next track, which is Woke Up In My Future. of songs Last War and Heaven's Made for Two, for me at least, represented two sides of this same time in her life, this wild and crazy misspent youth. I think that From a Cage and this song also are kind of two sides of 
this new period in our life is sort of new, more responsible adulthood. And I think that after we had that really meditative, thoughtful take in From a Cage, I, I appreciated that, you know, we come out of that eye of the storm into this song that's another really rocking kind of distorted synthy uh, track. And I think it does a good job of expressing this feeling of maybe being a little overwhelmed by this new life, these new responsibilities. And I think, you know, woke up in my future, this idea of being kind of surprised by what's happened to her. And she has this great lyric of, I might be crazy, but at least I've got my baby. Yeah, I, I think part of that overwhelmed feeling is that the percussion is really driving the song. And I think it stands out a little bit because on most of the other songs, the drumming is either non-existent or it's just not particularly noticeable. So now we're getting into the last three songs of the record and that intensity kind of dials back. And whereas she might have been somewhat conflicted about the changes in her life in this last song, she comes to what I perceive as being a very satisfying resolution in the penultimate track, which is called Can't Believe Our Luck. you're right that in this song she's at peace and maybe happy i don't think she's without regrets though and there are lyrics in the song that really i think give me that idea at least where she talks about the jokes on me or it's just that you're lazy and there's really this sense that you know her life is less than perfect but maybe you get that sense that it's this might be good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think I do get that sense because taking not just the lyrics, but the whole tone of the song and it's it's not it's this very peaceful, quiet melody and the sentiment that I can't believe our luck that things turned out this way and it's really the best thing for me. And there's uh, also I felt like a real feeling of forgiveness and resolution. There's a line in the part of the song that we didn't play that goes, I know a girl a lot like you, but she doesn't know the things I do. I know you tried your best for me, so I don't need your apology. And I feel like you could interpret it as being her talking to her younger self. And, you know, what I said earlier that I kind of read this as a breakup album of her breaking up with her youth. Then I think, you know, it's this is kind of her way of letting go of the person that she was before. Yeah, I actually had not thought of that interpretation of her singing to a younger version of herself, even though, of course, she she kind of does that explicitly in the song we didn't play. But that certainly puts a different spin on that line of it's just that you're lazy, because that, would, I think, would be addressed to that younger self and really, I think, puts a more positive 
spin on the song. I mean, I can't read her mind. I'm just saying that's how no, I interpret it. I think it. it's, an, but it's an interpretation. <laughs> I think that makes sense in mm. the context of the album and in the context of the song. And I, I think it helps to put this song in the context of the album that it's about finding peace and finding happiness by, you know, coming to terms with your past and kind of accepting your past and trying to keep some perspective on the new life you have, even if it's not quite what you expected, or maybe if it's even a little absurd, which we get into as she, she plays this last song, which is about kind of how absurd it is to be a professional musician. Yeah, I feel like I can't believe our luck, or sorry, can't believe our luck sort of concludes the narrative arc of the record. And then there's this last track that's called Eat for Free, and it's sort of a coda, but it's a really beautiful song. And it has Justin Vernon of Bon Iver doing the vocals, like the backing harmony vocals. And he actually also sang on From a Cage. It's just really subtle. And I didn't even notice it until I was listening to it. Which is the best kind of backing vocals. Yeah. So we'll go out with that. Thanks for listening. Oh